The other thing is when you do all that tackle beforehand, you know, you're much more efficient on the water. And and that's a huge part of breaking down a lake is being efficient. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your fearless host, Angie Scott. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventure podcast. It's a major crunch time here in Nashville as I try to get all the pieces together to be able to fish my first LBAA tournament as a pro. We picked up the new Key West 230 Bay Reef at the manufacturer last week in Ridgeville, South Carolina. And I got to meet the guys, Hutch Holzberg, Mike Marlowe, and Tom Marlowe, and it was an awesome visit. Mike showed us around the factory and how these boats are built from start to finish. They're uh, expanding and building some some new spaces, and it, it was really cool to see. And it was such a cool process. I'm going to feature them on next week's episode, so be sure and stay tuned for that. We got to take the boat out for a little spin while we were there, and let me tell you, with the 250 Yamaha B-Max show, there is no waiting to get that boat up on plane. It takes off like a rocket, so I'm super excited. It's getting rigged up with electronics and such at the dealer here in Nashville now at the boat locker. And I can't wait to get it in the water here so I can start learning everything. I mean, talk about a crash course before my first tournament. Seems to be how I like to roll, uh, just like with the new Lance Truck Camper Mobile Podcast Studio, but I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason, and I think that's exactly why my timeline for the studio didn't match up with the universe's timeline, but the universe knows best, and I'm starting to see all the pizzas fall into place just like it was supposed to all along. All right, well, I'm thrilled to catch up with Trait Zaldane this week. It's been about a year since I had her on the show. She's had a lot of cool things going on, such as her new episode series, Zeldangerous, pre- presented by Amazon with her husband, Chris Zaldane. You can watch it on YouTube as well. So we talk about that, her tournament prep process, coming back from injury and what that process has been like. Um, still got a ways to go there, but uh, pulling for trait. Hope everything goes well. We also talk about expectations for this season and much more. So I hope you enjoy. Trait Zaldane, welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. I should say welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> I'm excited to be back. Yeah, so the last time we spoke, we were actually in person at the Bassmaster Classic down in Alabama before everything went all haywire and crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it was nuts. I remember we tucked off in a corner yep. trying to trying to get away from everything. It was a good one, though. Yeah, we were back back in a hallway, so it was a it was a little echoey, I think, back there. But it, it, I'm glad we got the chance to have you on the show, and I'm I'm excited to catch up and see what what all has been going on since then. I know you've had a lot going on, so I'm excited to uh, fill the listeners in on that. But in case anybody missed that episode, let's see, that was uh, episode 122, and we're at uh, seven or 174. Wow. This will wow. be now. So little, little over 50 episodes later. Um, but if somebody missed that, can you just fill listeners in on a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, and your uh, how you got into fishing and all that? 
Sure. Um, I'm Trade Saldane. I'm from Texas. I started fishing when I was a kid with my daddy, fished tournaments around the house. And as I got older, I kind of got interested, um, but more, you know, post-college than the normal people who these days, at least, you know, have high school fishing and things like that and college fishing. I think college fishing was just getting going when I was in college. My college didn't have it. And uh, I fished the Bassmaster Opens. Um, and I'm married to an elite angler. So usually people know me from one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I don't get I don't get upset when people are like, oh, you're Chris Saldane's wife. Well, yes, that, yes, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And and yeah, and your big goal is to get in the elites. Yeah, that's uh, my goal. Um, as I get older, I'm kind of like, wow, this is tough. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's what we want. Our schedule is so hectic with me fishing the opens and him on the elites like it. And then our other obligations that the older we get, we're like, man, it'd be really nice if we had the same exact fishing tournament schedule. So, um, but that's my goal. I, I, um, hope this is the year. I really like the schedule, especially the Northern opens. And, uh, I don't plan on quitting until I, I reach that. So I may be fishing the rest of my life in the <laughs> opens. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, I can't imagine what that, that lifestyle is like between the two of you, because just fishing one tournament circuit alone is, is a lot of, of work and planning mm-hmm. and preparation and then, and then, yeah, all the other obligations that come along with it, doing things for sponsors and, and you guys have the, the Zell Dangerous series. Um, talk yep. a little bit about that. Yeah. So we started it, um, before, I mean, the process was started before COVID happened. We, we were talking about it and then COVID happened and kind of shut everything down. And um, we had our buddy Mac, who's worked with Chris before, come out because none of us had anything to do. And um, we snuck out to the desert and uh, filmed. Uh, Chris's family has a place out there. And we filmed out there and it just kind of happened. And Amazon came on board, wanted to be a part of it. Um, and it just developed from there. So it's just, you know, it's a working formula because we're trying to figure out what people want to watch. And so it shows kind of sometimes behind the scenes lifestyle. And, and sometimes we try and do how to things and, and sometimes it's tournament coverage. You know, Mm -hmm. we haven't quite figured out the formula, but we think we're kind of getting closer to it. So that series is going to continue this year. Um, We're, we're, we're dropping stuff on our channel right now, but we're, we're working towards getting the series back going. Um, we're just, you know, everything's been delayed uh, with the late off season, you know, business stuff is, it's been ongoing even though the season has started. So, um, so expect that to, to keep going. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that people like it. I hope we're not just, you know, the hardest thing we talk about it is, most of the series out there, like it's all about the hero shot and trying to make someone look cool. And, mm-hmm. and we're trying our hardest not to, for it not to be about us. And so it's been a, a weird, um, I don't know, progression maybe is the word, mm-hmm. but we, we really want it to be about fishing and everyone in fishing 
and not trying to make us look like, you know, Billy Badass. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I like, you know, I've seen, I've watched a few episodes and I like how it's just, you're just kind of, you, you show all of it. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you show how tough it can be too. And I think yeah. that that's important because a lot of what people, a lot of what's put out there is like the highlights and, you know, yeah. the successes. And, and so you don't want to paint a picture of you know that's um always been my struggle with social media i've I've taken some time off from social media over the last few months and um i I have got a bunch of nieces and nephews that are teenagers and in their early 20s and i i absolutely hate what social media has become and it's been a highlight reel of these perfect lives and perfect relationships and um it's setting our kids up for failure because Mm -hmm. they think oh well i'm in this relationship and it's not perfect like that you know or Mm -hmm. or i'm in this career path and and it's it doesn't look like that one and and i i struggle with it huge it's it like eats at me yeah so that that's kind of our agreement you know like we just need to however it happens we need to show it and um hopefully we're doing that and hopefully we get better at that we we had some time constraints last year. We were only allowed or not allowed, but we were told, you know, to keep it to 15 minutes. And that was tough, you know, to tell a story in 15 minutes. But um, this year we we've got a uh, we've got the ability to make longer episodes. So that helps cool. us tell more. Good. Well, I wanted to touch on. So we we're talking about that series and kind of showing the the good, the bad, the ugly, all that, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so yeah. last year you you struggled with uh, injury. And uh, how how is that going? Um, yeah, so it's been uh, it's also part of the reason I took some time away from social media. It's it's been a a process. I've been seeing doctors since November, and it's been pretty stressful. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we've been worried to say the least on some stuff, but we seem to actually at last week um, get more of a, a clear idea of what's going on. I've had several MRIs, so um, I'm still physically not in a in the best place um i'm gonna have to have surgery and i'm gonna try and put that off to the fall mm-hmm. and um over the next two weeks i've got a, a test in uh this week on something that the mri found and then um to see what's going on there and then the following week um i'm gonna start like a program to try and uh figure out if we can manage this and buy me some time so I can fish. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the doctor's thrilled about that. Priorities. I just, for me, I can't imagine not, not at least starting this season and get trying to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know for a doctor, they're like, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I mean, <laughs> if it's not going to hurt me any further then right. for me, it's like, why not? And, and where does the season start for you? So I, I'm not fishing the Southern Opens. This is the first year in a while I'm not fishing them all. Um, I'm taking the Southern Opens off because just the way they front-loaded the schedule, it was mm-hmm. next near impossible for us to meet our obligations with some sponsors, you know, from a content side and also fish tournaments, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I, my first one's the Central Open, which is Lewis Smith Lake, and that's the last week of March. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one. Um, it should be should be fun. Should be some you know 
spawning spots, which I don't have a ton of experience with spawning spots, but I have been on Lewis Smith a couple of times. So, so, so for me, you know, I'm, I'm kind of jumping in with both feet fishing these, uh, the, the LBAA tournaments with, uh, as a boater for the first time, this will be my first time ever being a, a fishing tournament as a boater. So, um, awesome. what's your preparation process like when you're getting ready for a tournament? Yeah. So, I mean, the past couple of years, our process has kind of gotten thrown out the window <laughs> because it's such mayhem because mm-hmm. we're back to back to back. But, um, for me, I'm OCD. So, uh, a big part of my process is just making sure that my boat and everything is done ahead of time. For the tournament mm-hmm. that usually plays a huge part in how I fish you know if I've taken the time to to prepare uh, my tackle and that's rigging everything that could happen um there's sometimes I, I'll get lazy and just rig you know so many rods and then the bite will change and I'm not prepared mm-hmm. and then I'm I'm piecing together things in the boat and they're not quite what they need to be and then I'm losing fish because you know, my setups aren't correct. Right. So the other thing is when you do all that tackle beforehand, you know, you're much more efficient on the water. Mm-hmm. And and that's a huge part of breaking down a lake is being efficient. And um, that's really when it comes to a process. I mean, I guess I don't have anything terribly crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, food is a big mm. part of my process. So making sure that Sunday before uh, practice starts that I've got everything for lunches and dinners because I, I mean, I love my husband, but he's, he's not the spouse that <laughs> takes care of that. During my <laughs> gotcha. So um, that's also preparation so that I can stay on the water all day and not worry about like having to go to a restaurant, you know, mm-hmm. when it's done, mm-hmm. you know, just making sure everything I'm going to need for that week is done by that Sunday before practice starts. How many days of practice are you usually able to get in before the tournament? I usually just do the two and a half days. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I get Sunday, but, uh, these last few years, it's been rare because usually we're coming from another tournament. That's what's mm-hmm. kind of sucked. You know, you'll see, especially in the opens, which I don't think I'll ever be that this person, but a lot of the guys who qualify are there for eight, nine days mm. uh, ahead of time. And, um, and a lot of people will tell you, you're not going to get qualified unless you do it that way. I don't know that I'm that type of person because I, I've got so much other things going on that mean a lot to me that I, I don't, maybe I'm, I don't know if it's a commitment thing. You know, I hope not. I would like to say I'm very much committed to the opens, but I don't, I don't see myself fishing that far ahead because the bite changes so quick mm-hmm. in the open. And if you're there, you know, nine days ahead of time, I've tried some of the longer practices, then you get this history from a week and a half ago. And then your conditions are completely different. Weather change, they suck the water down, um, all sorts of things can right. happen. And then you're thinking about what you found nine days ago instead of what's happening right then and there. So I prefer a shorter practice, but that's just my style. Mm-hmm. Um, it forces me to be more in the moment and adapting than, than going off of history, which I think for me is, is better. But obviously the way I need to do it 
is not the same for everyone. Right. Yeah, everybody's got their own preferences and style, mm -hmm. but I kind of, I think about that too. It seems like, I think to me, the biggest thing, especially as a boater going into the season is getting familiar with the lake and, yeah. you know, finding, yeah, exactly. yeah, finding spots. So you can be like, okay, the fish are doing this today. I remember seeing this spot over here, you know, let's go try that kind of a thing. Yeah, that's what, um, I think it was Ish Monroe who told me, the first day of practice, you should just drive around the lake. Mm -hmm. Don't pull a rod out. Just drive around the whole place and see what it has to offer, what how it sets up, um, what the water looks like in different areas, and then go from there. Because mm -hmm. you at least then know what you're dealing with when when things change. Right. Yeah, and it's cool now, too, because with technology these days, like you can pull up Google earth mm -hmm. and really look at get a good idea for for these different bodies of water before you even ever get on the water there and yep. so that's a and that, part of my plan as well is to really study that stuff yeah so that's something i i've always been like a nerd i guess that's part of my preparation too i sit like yesterday i was working on terminal tackle that i've amassed through the years in a big old bowl <laughs> just to, like go weeding through it and um, and then I sat the rest of the day when I wasn't doing that on my iPad looking at Hummingbird um, has uh, their Lake Master app. Mm -hmm. And I sit on that a lot. You know, when I'm not on the water, I'm probably sitting on that app and it's kind of like the Google Earth thing, you know, mm -hmm. you're able to get a, an understanding of how a lake, how portions of the lake set up, you know, Um and that's a, a huge thing to understand as much as you can before you go in that tournament. And the people who succeed nowadays, most of them do a ton of research and they've read all the latest interviews and watched all the shows from the past and and got on Google Earth and went through the history of Google Earth, you know, when when the lake was in a drought and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and that that is a, a big part of it. And it's something um, I probably should do more, you know, I feel like I do a lot, but I could be a lot better at it. I used to do a lot of it when I first started fishing the opens and then I kind of backed off and, uh, mm -hmm. it, it is a, a big key to the guys you see that are success successful. Chris, he's really good at it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, technology has really changed things and sure. the access to information. Definitely. Big time. I I think back to the days I've, I've interviewed a couple ladies on the show that used to fish with the bass and gals back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I, I always like to ask them, you know, what was it like? Like they didn't have the the lake map. Like they had paper yeah, maps, flashers. like yeah, literally, you know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, I just can't imagine. But they they got out there and they did it and they got stories to tell, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. I can only imagine, especially from a navigation standpoint, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. One one lady told me, uh, I forget what lake it was. It was one of the ones that has trees like everywhere. And mm -hmm. the local people before their tournament had gone out and like tied ribbons around certain <laughs> trees to kind of show them the the route to get out. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. crazy. Uh, I had that uh, last year, the year before I was going on one lake to super like just not known spot mm -hmm. you know very local it's like a crappie hole in the back of nowhere 
And to get back there, there were ribbons that I had found in practice that someone had used to mark the lane. Mm. And the best part, whoever it was or someone else came through. So I, I practiced before it was like maybe the Monday and then I didn't go back. And then by the tournament, those ribbons were like bright. And I, whoever that was who decided to, to remark the lanes, shout out to you. <laughs> they probably have no clue. Right. You know, they probably don't give a rip about bass fishing, but I thought, you know, I remember going through their day one. I was like, Oh, this is nice. I can actually see the ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How many, uh, how many rods do you typically pr- prepare? Oof. A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, that's what I was uh, just before we hopped on this call. I was uh, talking to our camera guy, Johnny, and I was like, dude, I'm, I think I got to build an Excel for my list this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, um, this year's a little different. Like I'm, I'm trying to, cause I kind of know how the opens always end up playing from a consistent standpoint. And there's a few things that always play in the opens outside of smallmouth tournaments. Um, and so my plan this year is to kind of minimize my tackle and to keep most of the same rods tied um, the entire season just to help me also um, so I'm able to prepare better with the time crunch that we see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I'm hoping, you know, outside of like some color swaps, I'll just be freshening the line more than anything. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I mean, I probably got... <laughs> 25 rods wow yeah I, I it it's a mess <laughs> you know but also like it's part of that efficiency thing mm-hmm. of um it's much easier to cover water when you're prepared for totally. that bite shift yeah you know or, totally. so it um and so that's what i've been working on this off season is trying to figure out how to make that easier because last year we had so many back-to-packs it was nuts and it really opened my eyes that there's got to be an easier way than how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's hopefully I figured that out this year, but probably not. <laughs> it's always a learning process. Yes. 24/7. Oh, yep. Um, how many, uh, so how many tournaments are you fishing this, this year? So I'm fishing all the central opens and all the Northern opens and then um, the U.S. Open, which is put on by one bass out in Vegas. So um, so seven, you know, I don't know what, you know, fairly big tournaments. Mm-hmm. And then um, Chris has his 11 or 12. And then we have a, a big content schedule mm-hmm. this year. So this is pretty packed. I think we have like four and a half or five months straight of tournaments. When you combine them all, and that doesn't include travel days, (laughs) just practice and the actual tournament, and then um, and then our our deliverables from a content standpoint, it's gonna be it's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. When people people hear what you do or whatever, they're like, "Oh, that's so much fun! You're so lucky." Uh It's stressful. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super. Like we're super blessed. Like. We get the fish for a living and we get to make a living allowing us to do what most people like, like plan to do in their retirement. Right. Right. But uh, it, there's also a lot to it, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. So. I am finding that out day by day as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. So one other thing I wanted to touch on, new puppy. Talk about that. Oh, yeah. Michi. <laughs> uh, she, uh, 
So I've been wanting, I had, when me and Chris started dating 10 years ago, I had a, a dog and she passed away, um, I guess before we got married or maybe when we first got married, it's been a few years now. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting, we have Nebo, which is a boy dog, but I've been wanting another girl dog so bad. They're just different than boy dogs, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. much more cuddly and, and Chris basically was like, okay, you can get one, but it's got to be a Belgian Malinois. I had no clue what those were. I've never heard of that. Yeah, me either at the time. So I didn't do the research. I was just like, deal. Like, let's, <laughs> let's find one, you know. And so there was kind of, <laughs> I don't advertise this, but we did the whole Craigslist thing. <laughs> and, uh, and we met some people and they had, um, they brought their girls and I fell in love with one of them and, and she is a mess, uh, <laughs> absolute mess. They are basically a breed that are used for like, um, cops and, and, uh, gas line leak, uh, detection. Mm. Um, very smart. Like one of the top are, when I took her to the vet, the vet told me it's, from the vet's perspective, the smartest breed on earth. Oh, wow. And I was like, uh oh, what have I got myself into? <laughs> Angie, I kid you not, this dog is so smart. It's like frustrating. Uh, like there's getting nothing past her even at the puppy stage. Oh, wow. But she's a blast, full of energy though. Um, very, I mean, we work with her and a trainer. We have a trainer that comes by once a week. Okay. And even he's just like, she is smart. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy what she can do. You know, I think we're looking at, I think she's five months now. And she knows, you know, your basics, your sits. Uh, we can tell her to place somewhere and she'll hop up there. She, You tell her to stay, she stays. And uh, and she's also a very cuddly, sweet oh, dog. It's, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I have. Just, a, oh my gosh, she just walked up here. Oh, she she knew you were talking Ooh. about her. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I have a question because I've always had this theory. I've I've been blessed to have very smart dogs mm-hmm. in in my life, and I've noticed that the smarter ones, and I think I searched this once, but I can't really remember. The smarter ones have like a little bump on their head. Does she have oh. a like? Do you have an egghead? Come here. Yeah, she's got an egghead. There you That's go. That's fun. And okay. My other dog uh, that passed away, she had an, I called her an egghead. She had a <laughs> bump on her head too. That's was she funny. smart? She was. Okay. She All was. right. Well, that, that confirms my theory. <laughs> the oh. the flat, flatter head ones seem to be uh, not quite. Uh, That's interesting. The, yeah. So uh, anything else that you want to touch on? Uh, I just uh, wish you good luck. You know, you. it's pretty cool. You're hopping into the boater seat. You know, it, it, you probably are going to surprise yourself. You'll you'll do really well. And uh, it'll be interesting. Don't, don't don't be worried about which you're probably not. You know, but but as soon as you get out there, you're going to be like, oh, this this was not that big. A th-, you know, yeah. like I should have done this sooner. Right. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about it. Um, and as far as like practice days and stuff, you know, sometimes it's, it's nice just to be able to go out there by yourself, mm-hmm. not have to worry about anybody else or, you know, making anybody else happy or whatever. And just kind of just really just be in the moment and, yep. and figure stuff out in your own head, you know, so I'm that's, looking forward. That's one to of that. my favorite things about fishing and uh is 
I'm a loner. I like my alone time. Mm-hmm. I'm like a hermit. Like the people in our neighborhood crack up because I like when I'm home, I never come out. You know? <laughs> I'm just like, I- I'm weird. I'm a nerd. I like to read books and stuff. And and that's what really pulled me into fishing the most was I can be on the boat by myself. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I absolutely love it. I love figuring it out by myself. That's just like a huge part of it for me is my alone time on the boat Mm -hmm. i love it and uh so i i get that you know not relying on someone else and stuff right yeah yeah i feel like i catch more fish than two yep so So you can you're able to develop like it's good to learn behind someone you know that foundation Mm -hmm. but you get to a certain point where you have to be able to to figure things out on your own and the only way to really do that is to be out there alone Yep. Awesome. Well, we will have to, I would love to catch up with you again at the end of the season and just kind of see how everything went. And I hope it goes well. I hope everything goes well with your uh, recovery from, from injury and, and all of that. And um, we, we will definitely stay in touch. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out Zal Dangerous, presented by Amazon on Amazon or YouTube. And stay tuned for next week's episode. We talk about the unsinkable Key West boats with the team at the Key West headquarters in Ridgeville, South Carolina, and the new 230 Bay Reef. I can't wait. See you next week.